Cape Talk. Pippers on Twitter. You can tweet her at PJC Hudson. Now, we've spoken quite a bit about the concept of cyberbullying in the context of family matters and supporting particularly high school kids and even younger, unfortunately, who are struggling with this particularly noxious form of bullying. Today, though, I really want to put it into legal perspective. On the line with me is Nicolene Skumanlo, who is an attorney and the managing director of Skuman Law Incorporated. And in a conversation recently, she flagged for me her concern at the huge increase in the number of cyber crimes generally that are crossing her desk. And in particular, I was distressed to note that that includes a rise in cyberbullying cases. I've invited her to join us on the show to talk a little bit about how the law perceives this crime, how it impacts victims, and importantly, what can be done to stop it. Nicolene, it's great to have you back with us again. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me, as always. Always a pleasure. Is there a, a technical legal definition of cyberbullying by now? I know there's been a lot of movement in terms of regulations in recent years to deal with the online space, but have they actually defined it? The problem is, so firstly to answer the question, no, there is no definition of cyberbullying um, or of cybercrime for that matter. Really? Even in our new Cybercrimes Act, we say new, but in, in actual fact, it's almost three years old in terms of enactment, not of yep. becoming effective. And that's a major problem. So many people engaging in cyberbullying, in other words, the instigators of it, as well as the victims, fail to realize that this is actually happening to them. Hmm. And that's a major issue. So with, in the absence of a definition, they don't even recognize that what they're doing is a crime or that what is happening to them is a crime that they can take action against. And Nicolene, important to say it's not only happening to children. We know we've had lots of conversations about the devastating impact it can have on children, but adults are subject to cyberbullying as well, aren't they? Absolutely. And I think we, we are seeing it manifesting in the workplace um, particularly. And, and that's of, of grave concern. I think we hear the word bullying and automatically as, as people, we think, oh, that's the thing that happens when you are young and you're at school. And when we were at school, of course, it didn't take an electronic form. Other things were happening, yeah. but the word bullying is, is very much um, associated to a school setting. In the workplace, though, we see it happening um, where, where you would typically maybe see victimization or some, some illegal act or, or even actually what makes this extremely tricky is that often the act of the cyberbullying in our workplaces it really transfers into various other pieces of, of law that actually um, become transgressed. So we are no longer looking solely at who created the post or the media, yeah. which is being distributed. So it's, uh, the, the first part of our law was very focused on, did you create something that is offensive? And as the creator, if we could get to you, then there was a crime that we could prosecute or there was an act to do something about. Mm. But later, as we've seen our law evolve to deal with it, we have no it's not about the creator anymore solely. It's also about those of us forwarding these things on and often blindly just forwarding something and not really thinking about it. 
Similarly, fake news is equally offensive, but again, that's obviously more into the fraud and the cyber crime, not really necessarily bullying. Mm. Nicolene, maybe it would be helpful to share a couple of examples with us of the kinds of cyber bullying that that have crossed your desk. Um, do you want to share some examples? Yes. Um, so, firstly, I think we we need to just just have one principle founded firmly. Mm. The fact that we are talking about cyber crime or cyber bullying, I think for many of us who are a little older, we've lived in a time where this wasn't possible due to technological advancement not taking place yet. Um, for us, it's, it's important not to lose sight that because you're adding the word cyber in front of it, the actual action in itself is just being disseminated in a different way. Mm-hmm. Um, But the principle remains the same. And we have a very well-established body of law dealing with intercepting uh, messages unlawfully. Uh, We have Poppy dealing with leaking personal information. And, of course, we've had our um, uh, Prevention Against Harassment Act. Mm -hmm. The act that gives us the ability to go to court and what the Americans call a restraining order to get one of those if we feel we are being harassed by person. And of course, very helpful in a domestic violence setting. Yeah. So with that being said, we are looking at things, for example, of recording a video of someone doing something which may have been funny and may have been done in a closed setting, but now we are distributing it on social media, almost mocking the person. Yeah. Right? So it can be as innocent as someone is is playing um, a bit of fool in our office, we make a video and and someone goes and they post it online and it becomes something that that is a reputational damage. Yeah. Of course, harassment, victimization, um, and and it can even be, um, unfortunately, indecent photographs or media taken without that person's knowledge or permission and then distributing that within the workplace. And that's really the the most terrible manifestations yeah. of this that we've seen, the so-called revenge porn. Uh, although it wouldn't quite be that because it's not consensual. The photographs were not taken with consent. Yeah. So it's, it's even worse. And that, of course, becomes an extremely traumatizing situation with far-reaching implications. That's such an important thing you've just said, Nicolene, because we know often, I remember from school days, often if somebody reported behavior that could have been construed as bullying, you were told, ah, just ignore it, they'll stop, they'll go away. You, it's, it's not as simple as that, Nicolene, and, and this, kind of, this kind of crime might seem fairly innocuous, but the impact on victims' lives can be really, really massive, can't it? Of course. And, and on the topic of the indecent photographs, which I think there's a, there's a major rise, particularly in a workplace setting, really? is that often a, let's say the, the, the photograph or the media was taken consensually by a ex-partner, who then proceeds to forward it on to your boss or your colleague, and they then think it's a huge joke, and this gets disseminated throughout the workplace. The victim feels a sense of shame immediately because, oh goodness, I brought this over myself because I allowed this person to take this photograph. And because of that, it doesn't get reported. And we often see um, the, the level of damage that ensues from that is actually unquantifiable. So if something like that is happening, or if, if, it, if it really crosses that line, mm. 
um, we, we need to take action. And if we're not getting the recourse within the environment where we're supposed to report and escalate in our workplaces in, uh, internally, we need to seek outside advice and we need to report this. What sort of recourse is available, Nicolene? Um, what, what sort of penalties are in place for somebody found uh, guilty of committing an act of cyberbullying? Well, if it is if it is persistent, in other words, if and, and often we see that um, a, a act of cyberbullying is, is really a, a bunch of small little acts or mm. little events that culminate into something terrible that happens, right? That that indecent photograph, for example, or video. So it's, it doesn't start with that in most cases. It really builds up to that, if I could put it that way. And if that is the case, there could be grounds for you to get a protection order against this person who was sending the information around. So there could be a case for harassment and mm-hmm. an interdict that you could get to get it to stop now. Um, and of course, you could report it to um, to, to SAPS, um, the police service, as a crime in the normal course. And if there is a pecuniary loss, um, and that could be monetary that you maybe need to expend um, to get treatment or counseling, then, of course, you could also claim damages in the civil sense. So we really, I think, need to be very mindful of what we forward, because, of course, the net is now much wider than just the creator of, mm. of whichever material, it's about who passed it on. Um, we need to be very, very vigilant what we pass on and what we share and what we forward. We need to be extremely mindful and really look at how it impacts this person who is predominantly being um, focused upon. So there could be criminal sanctions, which could lead to a fine or, or jail time. And there could be civil claims or restraining orders, as the Americans call it, an interdict in South African yeah. legal language. Just for those late to the conversation, my guest is Nicolene Skuman Lowe, who is an attorney and the MD of Skuman Law Incorporated, talking to us about the crime of cyberbullying. A couple of comments and questions coming in. Nicolene, somebody saying, I recently moved to a small area and joined one of the community groups where there seems to be what appear to me racist memes being shared. Would this be regarded as bullying as I find it offensive? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. And then the second one asking whether catfishing would be considered a cybercrime. Yes. So, so interestingly, if we look back in the history. But yeah, we seem to have just lost Nicolene's uh, phone line there. I'm going to put it back to my producer and just ask if, uh, if they can move around a little bit to try and get a clearer signal. In the meantime, there is a voice note that's come through that maybe we can listen to while we try to get Nicolene back on a clearer line. 021-446-0567 is the number to dial. If you'd like to ask a question or make a comment, you're also welcome to tweet us at Cape Talk or send a voice note to 072-567-1567.
Hi, Pippa. Um, I actually just listened to a podcast this week weekend. Um, it was an episode on scam fluences, um, and the podcast is about various like scam artists and and such. But what was quite interesting about this one in particular was how the the impact of a cyberbullying incident had affected this woman and had caused her had essentially like started the train reaction of her becoming a con artist wow. and like defrauding and like credit card fraud and it was just really interesting to um to listen through that story and just to see how deep um an incident of of cyberbullying can can impact a person's life and how long that can can follow someone um can't remember which episode number it was but it was um on a podcast called scam fluences Thank you very much for the tip off about that podcast. And yeah, making the point there, Nicolene, about the long reaching impact that this is not just to be dismissed as, oh, well, ignore the bully and they'll go away. There are potentially far reaching consequences for people's mental health as well as their position in the workplace, for example. So you've mentioned the opportunity to take civil action. You've mentioned the opportunity to lodge a criminal complaint. Before we run out of time, Nicolene, are, are SAPs taking this kind of complaint seriously? If I was to walk into my local police station and say I'm being harassed on WhatsApp or I feel like I'm being targeted by cyberbullying, should I expect that I would, they would be willing to open a case for me? Uh, yes, I, I think we should expect that and we should insist upon that. But the reality is that the Cyber Crimes Act is still fairly new. And I do not, in my personal view, think that SAPS has had the required training to, to really ascertain what would constitute um, a cyber crime or bullying and and harassment beyond the traditional framework. So the fraud and the scams, I think those are easier crimes to prosecute. But anything to do with harassment, even if we look at the Protection Against Harassment Act that has been around for more than 10 years, we are still grappling to to distinguish what constitutes harassment Mm. and what does not. And similarly, bullying is very subjective. Some people would experience something to be more offensive than others. We, we have different states of mental health and awareness. So I think although we have structures in place, it's still very new and we should be mindful. And if you feel you're not getting the attention you deserve there, go and see an attorney to assist you with other avenues of recourse. Thank you so much, Nicolene Skuman-Lowe, Managing Director of Skuman Law Incorporated.